Collegiately speaking. And we are underway. Needs a block on the picker and gets it. And will he go the distance? Yes, he will. As the Hokies deliver the dagger here in Tallahassee. Intercepted by the Wildcats. The Wildcats win. Unbelievable. Here's Collegiately Speaking, your one-stop shop for college football news. Collegiately Speaking. With Dave Eddy and former Northwestern quarterback Dan Person. How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountain? Collegiately Speaking. Welcome to another edition of Collegiately Speaking, our weekly look at the Northwestern Wildcats and college football. Glad you could join us this week. I'm Dave Ennett, joined by former Northwestern Wildcat quarterback Dan Persa. And uh, we head into a hard to believe. We're already heading in a week four of college football for the Wildcats. I, I guess, yeah, technically it's week four. Remember, we had week zero. But uh, this week, the Cats hosting Ohio University at Ryan Field on Saturday after a, a really, really strange day in Durham, North Carolina on Saturday against the Duke Blue Devils, where the Wildcats got down uh, 27 to nothing, trailed 30 to 7 at halftime, and, and almost came all the way back and pulled that thing out but along the way a lot of a lot of bumps Dan Persa I mean it was one of those games where I turned to Ted Albrecht at one point during the broadcast he said did you think we would see three quarterbacks play in this game and see the two teams combined for eight turnovers and yet those are those were the reality on Saturday yeah, unfortunately, it was a very, very sloppy game, mostly from Northwestern on, on the front end, obviously. And, um, yeah, very, very disappointing, especially at the, the quarterback position. And, and you and I were talking before the show. It's, you know, it, I don't know if I've ever seen a, a quarterback pulled in the first quarter, but I think Hunter probably should have been pulled in the first quarter. He just didn't look very confident, um, didn't look comfortable in the pocket, and, and obviously put almost put the game out of reach pretty early. Um, and, you know, credit to – Andrew Marty for, for coming in there and providing a spark. And, you know, right before that fumble um, and, and the injury, unfortunately, he really felt like uh, Northwestern had a great, great opportunity to win the game, which, you know, the way it started, you never thought that could be possible. So um, very definitely an up and down game. Interested to see who's going to play quarterback this week. It, it, you know, hopefully Andrew Marty is, is okay for, for the long term, but I would have to guess that at this point it's either Andrew Marty or, or Ryan Holinsky um, as, as Hunter really struggled last game. Yeah, I mean, I, we don't know as we speak here, there's been no update on Andrew Marty. Uh, the fact that he had to leave the game and didn't return uh, after playing so well, and, and obviously he was stripped of the ball when he was running for a first down deep in Duke territory, and uh, the Cats appeared to be on the drive right there. But you go back to the first half, Dan, 420 yards of total offense allowed by this defense in the first half, along with four turnovers by the offense. Second half, they did turn it over the one time. That's when Marty was stripped. The defense only allowed 138 yards, and after giving up 30 points in the first half, some of those fueled by those turnovers, by the way, uh, they they shut out the Blue Devils after halftime and, in fact, didn't allow a touchdown after the first quarter. I, I believe that that defense is making some strides now. I mean, certainly the first quarter was – the first two drives were really rough, really rough. But after that, they did get a lot better. 
Yeah, and I think uh, unfortunately, you know, you, you wish they'd come come around a little quicker. And, and again, you know, not having stability, especially in the you know ninety degree heat with one hundred percent humidity, being out there, you know, on the field after two, three and outs, and then a bunch of turnovers. It, it really puts them in a tough position. Obviously, you know, the, the guys will say that they need to focus on their job and, um, you know, just perform with the situation that's given to them. But at the same time, you know, they, they were, you know, put in a really, really bad spot. Um, not to, not to make excuses for, for their play, but I think it, it, it doesn't really set them up for success. And then once they saw a spark from, from Marty, um, in the offense playing well, you know, you saw what they did, you know, a couple, a couple turnovers and they really had a, had a fire. And, and unfortunately that's just how college football goes, right? There's a lot of momentum and emotions involved in it. And when the offense is playing well, the defense is motivated to, to play even, even better. So, um, you know, hopefully Northwestern could, to put that full product on the field on, on Saturday and then, you know, continue that momentum into big 10 play. One thing, uh, we saw a couple of receivers get their first touchdowns on Saturday. Marshall Lang, a tight end. He's basically the third-team tight end behind uh, Charlie Mangieri and Trey Pugh. And also Jacob Gill, freshman wide receiver, who scored the first touchdown for Northwestern on the pass from Andrew Marty, and a guy who impressed a lot of people. I know you had a chance to watch him in preseason camp, too, and you know, we're sl- slowly seeing this offense get more guys involved, even though they, they played more quarterbacks on Saturday than they would have liked. But they're, they're getting more of these receivers involved in the passing game. Yeah, I think you just you never really know who the talented players are, especially with, with such inexperienced well, game experience um, until the lights come on. Right, It takes a couple of games to see who's going to step up and, and who's not going to. And I think, you know, the, the better competition and, and different teams and especially Big Ten play brings out the best and frankly the worst in some players. So I think, um, you know, hopefully you'll see a more consistent roster and the consistent people making plays. But, um, you know, Northwestern's really got to get going. They, they can't really waste any more, any more games, any more time um, as this season it gets underway. It's Ohio University this week. Let's get a perspective on the Bobcats. Dan, let's bring in Russ Eisenstein. He is the voice of the Ohio University Bobcats. Uh, Russ is a local guy. More on that in a moment. Uh, Ohio coming in 0-3 with losses to Syracuse, Duquesne, and then last time out, uh, their road opener, a 49-14 loss at Louisiana. But I look at that game, Russ looks like it was 28-14 to in the fourth quarter, and then Louisiana kind of put the game away. Dave, thanks for having me on. Pleasure to talk to you. Uh, it's been a head-scratcher uh, at the start of this season. Certainly high hopes um, and things uh, uh, added another element when uh, Frank Solich retired um, in July uh, and Tim Albin takes over, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. But, uh, yeah, down in Louisiana, it, it, was, it was odd because uh, there was a replay review at the end of the first half. Ohio nearly went into halftime down just seven, 14-7, but on the last play, Billy Napier, outstanding head coach for the Cajuns, he said, uh, scared money, don't make money, was the quote in post game. They've made T-shirts about that afterwards that they're giving away, but uh, Louisiana scored from one yard away, 21-7. Ohio did have a big play there in the second half to make it uh, 28-14, uh, but largely the Cajuns controlled the deal. It was a short week, long trip. There was some worry about the tropical storm and all that didn't actually pan out thankfully, uh, badly in, in Lafayette, but 
it was a long, long trip, and, and the Cats got, got gumboed down there. And <laughs> now it's uh, uh, the second part of a triple play on the road, uh, Louisiana to Northwestern, and then the MAC opener at Akron. Tough three-week uh, stretch. Well, I, I looked back at the 2020 season, which was a challenge for everybody. Ohio played three games last year. I know the MAC was playing a six-game schedule, so you had half your games canceled. It was surreal. And everybody has their own COVID chronicles um, to talk about just how weird of a year it was. But from a, a sports-specific standpoint uh, for Ohio, it, it was just it was crazy. You know, the, the MAC was one of the first conferences right around the Big Ten uh, that said, no, we're not going to play. And then, uh, obviously, uh, everybody else kind of came back. And it was a limited schedule, but there were still COVID restrictions. And and, and Ohio's case is, is the case of a lot of others where you feel you're doing a lot of things right, uh, but still some cases were there and, and limited Ohio's numbers and depth. And so it turned out that Ohio played Central Michigan. There was a power outage actually in that game at the stadium. So we didn't have a traditional halftime. That was amazing. Uh, lights went out. No real halftime. Boom, quick back out, start the second half. So that was the start of it. Uh, and then Ohio beat, uh, uh, admittedly, uh, two of the worst teams in the league uh, in Akron and Bowling Green. And then that was it. Ohio had a chance to control its own destiny and, and just to ha- have another game to play. And that rolled into, obviously, basketball, where Ohio went to the NCAA tournament. And that was weird because we were at an empty assembly hall and then um, a 4,000-person uh, crowd at, at Hinkle Fieldhouse. So that was weird. And then the, the weird just keeps on being weird um into uh how it's it started this season uh so we'll we'll see what the cats can bring to the table against the, another group of cats on saturday russ dan first here thanks again for joining us um, you mentioned kind of the, the slow start for for the bobcats and, and northwestern is obviously on a, a slow start as well what's what's ohio really looking to do to kind of you know reform their identity and get back on track for against uh northwestern it, you know tim albin has been the longtime offensive coordinator uh, the one uh, there were a lot of things that, that Ohio had going with Frank Solich, but probably the top of that was consistency. Jimmy Burrow, Joe Burrow's father, was Ohio's defensive coordinator for every one of the years that that Frank was there, uh, and Tim Albin was the longtime offensive coordinator. I, I say that to say that the consistent nature of Ohio's offense really started to get going over the last you know decade of the of the sixteen years uh, that that Frank Solich was in Athens. So if you look at Ohio's offensive numbers under Tim Albin, they scored a lot of points, gained a lot of yards, a whole lot of highlights, a whole lot of fun. Nathan Rourke is now uh, in the Canadian Football League, one of the record-setting quarterbacks at Ohio. Tyler Tettleton's on staff again, the record-setting quarterback for the Cats during a great run under Frank Solich. And so Ohio is, by nature, a big play offense. There just have not been enough of the big plays. The dots have not been connected together to get things going. So Ohio's been behind. Ohio's been sluggish. Ohio feels it is a better offense. And we'll see how they use the two-quarterback system this week. They had success with Armani Rodgers at Louisiana last week, UNLV transfer. And we'll see how Ohio uses that this week. Plus, Ohio should get a couple of more weapons back and wide receivers, Isaiah Cox and Jerome Buckner, and that's big. There have been some offensive line issues, too, and injuries. But from an offensive standpoint, I know they feel that they're a better, more productive team than they've shown in the first three weeks. i got to ask you, but we really wanted to talk to you about today, Russ, which is the 
you grew up in this area, and you, you've been a, a Northwestern Cats fan for a long time, right? I have. Uh, I'm a Bolingbrook native. Uh, grew up a Northern Illinois fan as well. Um, and obviously the, the connection between uh, Jim Phillips and Northern Illinois and, and, and what he did at Northwestern, he and his family were just so kind uh, to my parents and myself over the years. And um, yeah, I remember going to Northwestern games. Uh, I remember go, going to Welsh Ryan Arena. I remember when big dog Glenn Robinson came in with Purdue and just how the stands shook and how close <laughs> the Cats were to so many great victories. And, and just I, I really uh, enjoyed going to uh, a, a classic college stadium. I, I love going to Husky Stadium in DeKalb. I, I love it. Uh, but there's something uh, like like a, a football castle-ish about uh, Ryan Field uh, and the setup there. And, and I remember, and I, I'm going to cut some highlights. Um, uh, obviously, I'll pull a highlight from you, Dave, and the call of uh, the Citrus Bowl win last year. Uh, I had goosebumps on that day watching that game and listening to the broadcast and uh, just all the memories. You know, my father, my uncle, my, my family – uh, my, my parents go into to games uh, there and just how special it was. And now the success and the golden era of, of Northwestern football, it, it means a lot. You know, my parents are season ticket holders at both NIU and Northwestern. I've listened to your broadcasts for years. You sound the exact same now as you did then in your professional way. And so all of this is to say this is a special deal for me to come back and broadcast a game uh, in Evanston. And, and yeah, I, I want the, the Bobcats to win. But I want the Wildcats to win every other game that they play. And you watched Dan Persa as a quarterback at Northwestern when you were a kid, right? Sure. You know, just all the memories of this team. And seriously, that's part of it. The thing about it, and I want to educate our Ohio fans, and part of our clinic produced a scouting report segment is, yeah, you know, folks that have jokes about Northwestern football from the 50s, 60s, whatever. They better find some new jokes because if you're not seeing what Northwestern has done the last, you know, what, 26 years now since since the, the Rose Bowl, um, you're just not paying attention. Uh, this is a Northwestern program. This is a winning program. These are winning kids. These are successful winning kids on the field and off the field. And so the jokes save them. They're done. They're old. They're tired. Um, if Ohio gets a win on Saturday against Northwestern, this will be a huge win and will helpfully, uh, hopefully help Ohio move into Mac play. Russ, very well said. Appreciate the kind words. Great catching up with you, and we look forward to seeing you at Ryan Field on Saturday. Can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Thanks, Russ. You bet. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Russ. All right, we continue now. We go to Evanston, and we bring in number 11 of the Wildcats. Proud member of the Sky Team. For Northwestern cornerback, junior cornerback, A.J. Hampton. A.J., thanks for taking a few minutes to be with us. Dave Ennett and uh, Dan Percy here. And uh, I'll tell you what, I looked at the Big Ten stats this morning, and I saw under pass breakups, the leader in the Big Ten, A.J. Hampton, seven PBUs so far through three games. That's not a bad statistic to have, huh? Yeah, it's not bad at all. Not bad at all. Gotta give all the praise to other God, though, for giving me this ability and allowing me to just play this great game I love. Just being able to trust in myself. But yes, sir. We, we, <laughs> I, I know you're a guy who just being around you, observing you 
from somewhat of a distance and sometimes kind of close up. You're a guy who really seems to enjoy not just the game, but the whole experience of college oh, football, yeah. right? What, <laughs> is it, it. <laughs> what is it about the game? I'm going to be honest. I feel like there's so many different aspects of the game, and I kind of love how it's well, – one, how it's like different components, so like special teams, defense, and offense. And I like how every little piece is needed in order for a team to in order win and kind of like stick together. And then also just like the little small things, like when, like personal matchups. Like me playing corner, I have a lot of personal one-on-one matchups on the sidelines, which is, which is really cool, especially considering like I kind of like having like the game or relying on me for the most part because, you know, corner, it's, like, it's, it's something about being on that island that gives you that little, you know, little swagger. Then you, you got the opposing coaches watching you on the sideline. When you make a good play, like, okay. But, no, I, I truly love it. I love it all. And also, I think another big thing for me, is my parent, my dad is actually a coach. He coaches at ULM right now. Right. He's the associate head coach and the safety coach. So, with that, I've just always been around football my whole life. So, that's been good. Yeah, you come from a, a football family. Your dad coached. Now, he's coached a number of places, right? Florida State yes, a couple of years ago. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, he coached at Florida State, uh, USF. He was at Oregon for a short time. Uh, He's in Tifton, Georgia, where he's coaching with the Blue Devils. That's in a high school. He coached at Arkansas Pine Bluff, uh, Western Kentucky. It's, it's, been, it's been a, a nice <laughs> We've been around a little bit, I'll say that. <laughs> AJ, Dan Percy here. Thanks again for, for joining us. Um, yes, sir. Obviously, as Dave mentioned, the, the defensive backs, um, are, are definitely a, a strong part of the, the defense and frankly the whole team, you know, given the talent you guys are returning. Um, how do you how do you see yourself as, as leaders on the defense and, and obviously it's kind of been an up and down season so far for the defense, but what are what are some things that you guys are doing to kind of get the whole defense and frankly the team going? Uh, so one thing we're trying uh, we've been focusing on doing, uh, honestly, is just believing in ourselves and doing our job specifically and trying not to do uh, too much. Because, honestly, one thing we, uh, we've been uh, trying to focus on is trying to uh, stay in tune and not trying to do too much. Because when you do too much, it leads you to making, trying to missing plays or missing your opportunity or even putting your teammates in bad positions. So, like, for example, keeping leverage on the outside when the running back is running at you instead of trying to jump inside and make the play. And then also just bringing the energy every, uh, every, uh, every practice, every play, every game. Keeping it, keeping it like fun, because at the end of the day, football is fun, and that's what we love to do. So when you have it, when it's fun, you love to do it. It makes it that much better when you're, you know, just at practice or in the game. Where do you get that energy from? Because I think you probably bring more than anybody on that team. I'm gonna be honest. I, I honestly, I was born like this with all this energy. If we're, if we're being honest, I mean, also just a break from my family too. I, you can ask my mom if you're ever able to talk to her. I was always a really, really happy baby. <laughs> but no, I, it's just really just the passion, and then just my, the friendship, all my, all my guys, the teammates, knowing that we, I get to come out and work out every day with them. I, we're going through the same things, but honestly, I'm just. Personally, that's just my my attitude. I've just always been a happy guy, uplifting. I like looking at the positive things in life and just, you know, <laughs> going day by day. You know, one really positive thing has to be your former teammate, 
Greg Newsom, right? Yeah, Drafted on the yeah, first yeah. round by the by the Browns. He's going to go up against the Bears this Sunday. So a lot of people in Chicago, while they might be pulling for Newsom, they're also going to be yeah. pulling for the Bears to have a big day against the Browns. Yeah. But how close uh, do you guys stay in touch a lot? And, and how much are you enjoying watching him succeed as a rookie in the NFL? Yeah, I'm gonna be honest, Greg. That's that's literally my best friend. That's oh, well, I, hey, let me say that again. That's my that's my brother. We're we're honestly so close. Me and Greg used to talk all the time, especially when he was here. But now that he's left, I literally talk to him at least every two days. Just asking, checking in. We always, he always takes me after the game to let me know what I did wrong, what I could have done better, or just saying how I look good and certain coverages and stuff. But I'm gonna be honest. I'm also one of his number one fans. I trust. Him. I told him when he went to the Browns. Browns are going to be my new favorite team. And I just, I, I love the experience. I love being able to watch him, especially considering that we were playing together last year. And it's just, it's just so, it's, it's honestly surreal, but it's, it's like being a little kid. Cause I'm like, <laughs> cause I'm like, hey, I know this kid. I mean, especially we hang out all the time. It's, that's my voice. And then I sit right there on the field. It's just really crazy, especially considering I know what my goal is and knowing where I want to be too. But no, yeah, we're, we're literally in touch almost every day. Every now and then, if we have time, which is kind of rare in this like football age right now, we may play the game a little bit. But nah, whenever he comes back, I'm always that's always I'm always with my boy. Well, your goal is to get where he is now, right? Absolutely, absolutely, yes, sir, yes, sir. All right, this Saturday at Ryan Field, students are going to be back in the stands for the first time. How much inspiration, motivation do you guys get from just the the fact that your classmates will be back there? I won't be honest. Personally, I get really excited. Honestly, whenever there's fans at the game, I always feel like your play level rises. And that's kind of crazy to say, but I feel like when people watch you, you want to put on a show for them and just do the extraordinary and do the, you know, just do something <laughs> extravagant for them. But no, it, it actually means a lot, especially considering people are going to come to the game. It's almost like that sense of pride, too. Because, like, you know, although they're not practicing and playing with you every day, you still want to win because you're school and you want to put on for your colors. You want to put on for your coaches, your family, the name on your back, all that. Because it means a lot. And at the end of the day, that's just what we love to do. <laughs> you got the end on our chest. So you got to win for it, Northwestern, too, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, AJ, final question for you, and I appreciate your time. But So your dad's coaching college football. So yes, sir. You, you don't get to have him at your games on a regular basis so and and you're not at his games when he's coaching you have a brother i believe who's playing high school football right absolutely yes sir so so do you guys do a zoom call after your games where you <laughs> compare notes of what everybody did no honestly no i'm gonna be honest my dad it's kind of crazy because with his schedule it is impossible for him to watch the games for the most part but he always, like, with him being a coach, he's able to get that film and able to – he always sends me at least, like, a whole page of notes or breaks down every play. He watches everything coverage-wise from the standpoint – because, you know, he's a DB coach too. So he literally – he's breaking all that stuff down after the game. So literally every, after every game, I walk in, I check my phone, and there's, like, a decent-sized note in the little <laughs> – in the message <laughs> section, which, which I love because also knowing that he cares and he also – he wants the best for me too. And if he can't watch it that moment, I know he'll watch it later, which he always does, and he'll break it down, let me know, like, on that double move, you got to have better eyes, or, you know, you got to shoot your hands earlier, stuff like that. <laughs> but then it also, it also, for me, I feel like it raises my play level, too, knowing that my family's not there, and I, I have to put on, because that name is on my back, and I want to make sure, even though they're not watching, that it's still, I still represent them with the best of my ability. 
That's awesome. AJ, we appreciate your time. Best of luck uh, Saturday against Ohio and all season long. And uh, we'll look forward to watching you pile up those pass breakups all season. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'll I'll keep it going. I I will appreciate you, though. Thank you, guys. All right. Thank you. That's AJ Hampton. Of the Northwestern Wildcats. <laughs> He's obviously got some of his teammates right there with him. You love hearing a guy with so much love for the game and so much energy, Dan. Which of your teammates uh, kind of brought that to practice and on game day? I think Brian Peters on defense. Uh, oh, okay, that, that, that makes sense, yeah. Kind of energy, really never stop talking, good or bad, right? In, in any situation, he's always yapping, which which is, makes for you know a funny and, and sometimes annoying friend. Uh, but he was uh, a guy that you know, no matter what the situation was, he always had a ton of energy, um, and I think that's why he you know played for, played so well for Northwestern and played so long in the NFL. Uh, Wildcats in Ohio this week, and then it's back to Big Ten play a week from Saturday against Nebraska in Lincoln, a night game. We'll talk more about that when we get together here next week. But you know what time it is. It's time for Super Joe's Pick of the Week. Prediction to say or estimate a specified thing will happen in the future. Super Super Joe's Predictions. All right, guys, so Vegas does not see a whole lot of close games happening this week in the Big Ten. Uh, Michigan is favored by 19. The Villanova-Penn State game is not even on the board. Wisconsin's favored by 6. Minnesota's favored by 31. Uh, Our Northwestern Wildcats are favored by 15 over Ohio. And let's see, um, Iowa's favored by 23, Purdue 11, uh, Maryland 14 and a half. I think the Buckeye game is close to 50 now. So... if you're uh, looking for some close games, I think you need to head right down the street to the lakefront. I'm really interested in this Notre Dame-Wisconsin game. Wisconsin is actually one of a few teams on Notre Dame's schedule this year. I can't remember if I saw this on Notre Dame's broadcast or later in the week. But Wisconsin, Cincinnati, Virginia Tech, USC, North Carolina, and Virginia all have a bye week before playing the Irish. I think that's going to be big heading into this game. I think Wisconsin covers the six and uh, sends home those uh, Badger fans happy. Well, that would be a huge win for Wisconsin and a huge non-conference win for the Big Ten. If you look at uh, the way Notre Dame's played, they're 3-0. and But I think even Notre Dame fans would tell you they're really fortunate to be in that situation, especially that a close call against Florida State. They scored with 69 seconds left to beat Toledo. And then Purdue gave them a tough game on on Saturday in South Bend. Yeah, I think they definitely could have two losses on their schedule. I think Florida State misplayed that at the end uh, at the end of that game, and then of course the Toledo game. I mean, it's hard, Dan. I'd like to get your perspective on late game situations where Toledo's running down the field. Uh, this guy has a clear path to the end zone. Notre Dame only has one timeout left. Are you taught to slide in that situation and try to run the clock? So uh, I didn't set this up greatly. Uh, Toledo is also losing by three points. So this is the go-ahead score. Are you taught at all to slide and waste the other team's timeouts before kicking your field goal to to, to go ahead? Or the, the, the end zone's right there. Go and score and trust your defense. Yeah, I think that's a tough situation, especially when you're down. Um, and if you're uh, – were they only down three? Yeah, so they were down two, actually. So a field goal would have won the oh, game. Oh, God. Yeah, so I think, you know, some coaches talk about that, some some don't. Um, I think, you know, that's that's just awareness of the four-minute drill, or frankly, a two-minute drill 
um, that you know some coaches talk about and some don't. I think it's 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 a really tough situation as we're even talking about it for for kids to to comprehend. But you know, frankly, Toledo, if if they have confidence in their kicker, are telling their their guys, hey, if we get close, go down, waste the clock, and we'll kick a field goal. But you know, again, we've all seen times where kickers have missed gimme so it's it's a it's a really tough call hey it kind of goes counter to everything you've learned in the game it's like uh the the guy who intercepts a pass at the end of a game and starts to run it back when right. the smart thing to do is is just go down right there and protect the ball at all costs and I- but it's counter to what you your kind of your instincts take over right yeah, I think that even the first time you see it, like I want to say the first time I saw it was Brian Westbrook against the Cowboys late, you know, and he's diving at the one yard line. You're like, oh, you're right there in front of the end zone. Yeah. But, you know, clock awareness, especially in that situation, I mean, that's on the road, you know, I, and again, I'm not, I'm not setting up the situation great. I don't know how old the quarterback is or any of that uh, um, detailed information, but, you know. To me, looking back, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You tell the kid to slide, waste Notre Dame's timeouts, you know, maybe there's a chance you just kind of chip it in for a game winner. Well, we get back to some more conference play this week. Uh, a game I'm really interested in seeing is that Illinois-Purdue game. Illinois probably feels like they sh- let one get away last week against Maryland on Friday night in Champaign, and, and Purdue's better. I mean, they're improved, but they don't know if they're going to have David Bell for that game or not. He's in concussion protocol as we speak, but it should be an entertaining weekend of, of football. And uh, Dan, thanks as always. We will no doubt see you on Saturday at Ryan Field for the Cats and the Cats. That's going to do it for this edition of Collegiately Speaking. Thanks to Russ Eisenstein. Thanks to A.J. Hampton. Super Joe Romano. For Dan Purse, I'm Dave Ennett. Thanks, everybody, for joining us, and we'll talk to you again next week.